we're live. Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining us here on Bible Banther. But hey, the most important thing that you need to know is that uh, Luke was pointing out how uh, inferior he is for not having a beard and how much more masculine uh, bearded men are. And that even Charles Spurgeon said that it is a great and manly thing to have and a biblical thing to have a beard because it protects your throat. That's from lectures to my students, not my students, but his students. We are joined with uh, with uh, the creator of RefTunes and illustrator Paul Cox, who is in between myself and Luke. Uh, we're really excited to have him on the podcast. Hey, Paul, how, how, how are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful. Good, man. Uh, you mind telling us a little bit about RefTunes? Sure. RefTunes is a free-to-read free webcomic. <laughs> um, it's basically just about characters from church history i find quotes that could be illustrated um and i illustrate them as cartoons <clears throat> now um paul we really appreciate you coming on the show uh and i'm sure we're going to get into a lot of stuff today uh, i think maybe the best place for us to start if you don't mind because we're we'll obviously eventually get into talking about theology since that's really what Reftunes is about um but i wondered if we could get a little bit of background first on more the drawing side of things because as you can tell from my name i can't draw i'm not a visual artist i don't have like any experience or knowledge when it comes to that so um if you don't mind starting with something sort of a, a little bit more on the on the side of the illustration can you tell us how you got into that and maybe even how you do it like i'm really curious if you if you do it on a computer and sort of keep stock for example if you do spurgeon once do you use the same image again or do you draw it fresh by like how do you do it all it's a good question um well I, i'll back up to when i started drawing um <clears throat> so i i think i i started showing an interest in drawing around the age of three and then just kept drawing copying characters that i really enjoyed like looney tunes and calvin and Hobbes and those sorts of things um and that's really kind of what kept me going throughout my elementary years and then I, I started, uh, like, I continued to show interest in it. I always said I wanted to be a cartoonist when I grew up. And uh, <clears throat> so uh, I pursued, like, all the art courses in high school and went to college for art. But I didn't quite know what I wanted to do. I didn't know what I could do with art. Um, so I just got a general art degree with a concentration in drawing from a small Christian college. Um but it was after I got out of college is when I realized I could, well, I realized after being laid off from a job that I could get work as like a freelance artist because I was finding these little gigs on like Craigslist <laughs> and places like that. People just I wanted. thought Craigslist is where people go to get killed. <laughs> <laughs> that and art jobs, apparently. Wow, good, good. <laughs> So, so through Craigslist, I found actually a really good job uh, from a company based in San Diego. And they actually flew me out there for like a week, not to kill me, but to, uh, <laughs> <laughs> to have me work in their, um, in their office space for a little bit. Um, and I was illustrating a, like a math curriculum called Beast Academy. So I was, I was like a, an assistant illustrator on that. But after that, like I started getting more and more into freelance and eventually it became full time for me. 
<clears throat> and so right now I'm I'm working full time as a freelance illustrator, based out of my home. Uh, and then you asked how I draw. Yeah, yeah. Like, do you draw them by hand every time, or do you keep sort of stock in your computer and pull well, them back? Well, first off, first off, I have to apologize, Paul, for Luke not doing his due diligence and in looking into uh, Reftoons because you could go on the page, man, and see. <laughs> Uh, his amazing drawings as he does them, like he's doing them almost every day, if not multiple times a day, where he's like hand drawing it on like, is it a tablet or your computer that you use? Yeah, it's a, it's a Wacom Cintiq. I can show you. Here. You know, Eric, it, it, it could be that I'm just asking questions that a guest, uh, you know, someone watching the show might ask. And oh, oh, oh. Because I was lazy. I oh. was, and you're right, but you shouldn't have assumed it. <laughs> so, so I was right. Okay, I don't have to apologize then. Uh, I would have. No, like every so every time you do a, a a Spurgeon quote, do you redraw Spurgeon by hand? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I I don't uh, I try not to. Like sometimes I'll I'll grab like an old character that I drew just to make sure I'm drawing them correctly. But um, as far as Spurgeon goes, I I don't do that with him. I just draw him every time and. If you if you compare all the Spurgeons I have, some of them probably have like longer beards than the others, and so it's different, I'm different rather, stages of his I'm life. I'm rather inconsistent, but well, I mean, I imagine Spurgeon he was a portly fellow, um, and I hear circles are easier to draw than maybe <laughs> some other shapes. So uh, yeah. maybe Spurgeon, you don't have to pull over so much. No, no, yeah, and, but, but John, every every rough tune is an original, then. Yeah, wow. yeah, there aren't any uh, copy and paste moments in ref tunes especially when i'm drawing them on paper so a, a lot of the early early ones were all drawn on paper with with ink and then colored on the computer <clears throat> so all of those ones i couldn't copy and paste that's cool so what would you like how do you um do you have like a plan like an excel document of like here's the next 50 things i'm going to be drawing or do you just kind of like wake up and go you know what i feel like drawing thomas watson today and and then you like go through and search like some of his works and you go "Ooh, this is a tweetable quote and then you like then you kind of base it around that or or what's your process look like a little bit of both i have a, a google docs document that's just like my titled idea sheet and mm -hmm. i just anytime i come across a quote that i like or that i think i could do an image for i'll throw it in there or some people will uh, request quotes and they'll send me the, the quote along with the reference. Um, and I'll throw those in there just, just in case, like I'm at a, at a point where I can't think of something to draw. And so I'll go through there and kind of refresh my memory of what I have in there. Mm -hmm. Uh, but other times, like I'll just be reading something. I'll be like, Oh, that's great. And then I'll just draw it right there. Um, <clears throat> and, and a lot of other times it's just coming from, uh, books that I'm reading at the time. Mm -hmm. So now, uh, oh, go ahead, oh, go ahead. I, I was kind of curious. I was thinking about this because I, I mean, I've been following you maybe for, maybe it's been a year that, you know, I kind of stumbled upon you. I forget even how I, um, uh, and you can also Luke just put reftunes.com in the comment section, but also we have it at the scroller at the bottom for those who want to look at Paul's stuff. Um, so I, I remember stumbling upon you. I forget exactly how, um, but you know, like in, in the reformed circle, I mean, there's kind of these things that 
they just float around if you're on Instagram, Twitter, or social media where someone shares it or hashtags it or whatever it might be. So it just kind of pops up. And um, I was thinking about this of all the things I've seen in the last year from, from you, Paul, um, like what, is there a particular piece that you've drawn that for you is just your favorite? Like it was just so enjoyable to, to create. Um, as far, yeah, as far as the ref tunes go, I think, um, <clears throat> I think one of my favorite ones to draw was the Spurgeon pancake breakfast one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. I, I just like that one. I think it's a funny quote and, uh, your pancakes are delicious. Now in a, in a minute here, we'll sort of take a turn toward the theological before we do though, Eric, we were so excited to talk to Paul um, we didn't do what we were going to do for the intro, which is just to, for a moment, acknowledge Ravi Zacharias, who uh, passed away earlier today. And I thought each of us could maybe share a, just a little bit of how he impacted our lives. I know for me, um, Ravi was was really a part of my spiritual formation. There was about three months uh, as a young man when I was working four to six hours a day all by myself, make, building kids' bikes in the back of a Toys R Us. And it was very lonely and tedious work. I'm thankful for that season of life, but glad it's over. Um, But I look back on it now as a time of tremendous spiritual formation because I would spend hours and hours um, basically exhausting the catalog of Ravi Zacharias lectures. Um, And he he and uh, Ravi Zacharias International Ministries really were a key part of my spiritual formation as a young man. Uh, And I'm, I'm sad that he's gone. But we know that he is resting in Christ. Um, and uh, yeah, very, very thankful for him and the gift of his ministry and all glory to God for it. Yeah, um, I've, uh, I've, I mean, I've known about Ravi Zacharias probably since as long as I've been a Christian and benefited greatly from his ministry. I mean, I don't know. Um, I was talking with a couple of other pastors today about this. I don't know of anyone um, recently that's done more for the kingdom of God outside of him and a few others, you know, R.C. Sproul, who's recently passed away. And, you know, I, I put Ravi, although maybe you could debate he hasn't had the same global impact that that uh, Billy Graham had, but he's definitely at that echelon, I think. Um, just his ability to articulate uh, the best thing about Ravi Zacharias was his pastoral heart as people would give him tough questions in, you know, in a live audience, you know, here, here you have this Indian guy who, um, you know, in today's culture, we can often make fun of. And I think even some would look at him and say, oh, that doesn't look like a Christian, you know, because of the color of his skin and the sound of his voice, but he has this strong presence but he's also meek and humble. And I think when people often um, struggle with the understanding of what, what Christian strength looks like, what it means to be bold, but also meek, um, he summed it up perfectly. Uh, Never once did I hear him and I could be wrong because I haven't seen or read everything that he's ever done, but I've never witnessed him um, get super defensive and lash out. And we all have a tendency to do that sometimes. I've I've done that before. Um, I'm sure you know you guys maybe have or have witnessed that. And he's just has such a tender heart, trying to shepherd people in the midst of their um, curiosity. So, yeah. right. <clears throat> I had I 
I hadn't uh, listened to a whole lot of Ravi, uh, but when I first got into a, like looking into apologetics, he was one of the first people that I found. Um, and so when listening to his stuff, I mean, <clears throat> listening to him answer uh, opponents' questions, um, he was always very gracious mm-hmm. and kind of soft-spoken. I always loved listening to his voice. It was, it was always mm-hmm. very gentle with the mm-hmm. way he responded to people. And it just was has anytime I hear him, it's a reminder that you can share the truth in love and you mm-hmm. don't have to be bashing people over the head with your theology, yeah. but with gentleness. <clears throat> Something I think, I, th- I think we can learn that from Ravi. So I, I need to, I need that. I need to do that. I mean, um, Luke, Luke knows, uh, I can sometimes be a bit dogmatic and kind of be a bit forceful, uh, at times. Uh, and usually it's, co- it's meant as good fun. But when I hear Ravi Zacharias, I go, yeah, but it might not come across that way. And I'd rather come across the way that Ravi does. Cause he's just so gentle. Um, yeah. he's really been a gift to the church. And I, I'm in the middle right now of studying the pastoral epistles with a couple young men in my church. And one of the things that I keep, um, hearing Paul say in these letters is uh, you are to be firm in doctrine and soft in delivery. And I think Ravi is, is a great example of that firm in doctrine, but soft in delivery. Mm-hmm. And this is actually uh, uh, it's a perfect segue to what we want to start talking about next, which is in fact, theology, because Paul uh, it's not just uh, Christian tunes or theological tunes it's ref tunes so you've chosen a very particular segment of uh the christian faithful why ref tunes why the reformed (laughs) um well it's it's ref tunes because when i started doing it the idea was to um highlight characters from the reformation the protestant reformation um when I when I started, I was I was mainly thinking like, how can I use my gifts to glorify God, and also share the truths that I'm that I was that I was currently learning and still am learning, um, because I was I was getting more and more into Reformed theology, um, <clears throat> and just a way for me to understand it is through pictures. And so I felt like maybe using my gift of illustration to um, create these comics might help other people come to that understanding as well. There, you know, you talk about the visual representation to kind of, you know, kind of see theology and, and because people are very, we live in a visual society, right? And, and more people watch things rather than read things now. Um, so, so being in people on Facebook or social media are going to scroll and, and they don't really read the text of things too often, but they'll look at a picture and the pictures that you create are so captivating. People want to look at the words, but it's also done in really good humor. And I think that we need more humor in reform theology, right? Like I think yeah. you had, I forget you, you, you might know, but there were some characters that you had. And one of them I think was using a whoopee cushion. Um, Luther. Yeah, Luther. And I just thought like, 
how that just seems so irreverent in one sense when you come at it from like the the frozen chosen presbyterian perspective you know um and then you kind of like really think about it and go hey it's okay to laugh like like i don't have to be serious all the time and like for someone like me who i can um I, you know i struggle with a lot of self image issues and i think of like what other people think about me and and this and that and Sometimes I have a tendency to joke at the wrong at the wrong things or be irreverent at the wrong times. But that cartoon in particular helped encourage me to realize like, hey, it is okay to joke. It's human. Mm -hmm. It's it's um what was it um Calvin that said that it's okay to laugh or one one Calvin, yeah. yeah. I believe it's in his institutes. Yeah. So, you know, it's just those are so encouraging. Um to me as, as a brother in Christ and as a pastor and to be able to share those on social media and to help people not take themselves so seriously or too seriously. Yeah. Now, now Paul, were, were you raised in reformed theology? What's your denominational background? No, I was raised uh, free Methodist, <clears throat> which is uh, an Arminian mm -hmm. uh, denomination. That's okay. We and, have Arminians on the show now and then. <laughs> and uh, so there were, there were a lot of things that set off my journey into reformed theology. Um, I won't get into everything, but uh, a lot of it had to do with some leadership issues in the, in the church. And then uh, because of those issues, it drove uh, me and a lot of other people to the scriptures. Um, and I think that was kind of the biggest point in my life that really got me studying scripture was like what is biblical leadership? Uh, what, is it, what does the Bible say about who a pastor is and what is his role? <clears throat> um, and so through, through that and through some <clears throat> courses that were brought into this um, other church that we were going to, um, I kind of stumbled upon Reformed Theology uh, based on some video series that they had brought in because they don't, they weren't vetting many of their uh, teaching series. Um, so. So with I, the reform theology snuck into the church. Yeah. It's snuck in. <laughs> well, I actually, without anybody knowing it. And so I looked up the pastor that, that was teaching on the series and he was recommending all, all kinds of things like uh, Michael Horton's book, Christless Christianity and, uh, through that, I found the White Horse Inn podcast, which really helped me uh, to to kind of understand a little bit more what they were talking about. And I had never heard expository preaching before, and so I I, I found that through uh, through this, I guess, yeah. rabbit. Do you remember who the pastor was of that video series that uh, brought you into the reform world? Uh, yeah, this was in ninth. Is uh, not nineteen, uh, two thousand nine, and it was Matt Chandler. Okay, yeah. and I looked up, looked him up, and found his, uh, I think it was like Ultimate Authority series mm -hmm. that he did. Yeah. Um, oh, I I really appreciate your comments about it was study of scripture that brought you into Reformed theology, uh, because that that's something that Eric and I really harp on a lot on the show that. The, this isn't this isn't an issue of Calvinist versus Arminian or Reformed versus not Reformed, or we have all sorts of labels and things that we can use to divide the church. The real bottom line issue is what is Scripture? Uh, mm -hmm. Is it 
the word of God? And if it is, have you seriously considered what it has to say about God and his nature? So I love that you came to reform theology, not through theology, but through the study of scripture, which brought you to that place. Well, and it was, it was finding people who were actually preaching from scripture verse by verse that really brought me into it because most of them happened to be Calvinist or reformed. <laughs> so I just started following them and like, oh, this makes sense now. Now I understand what this verse is saying. And <laughs> uh, you know, one of my favorite things I've ever had my toes stepped on um, was actually from Thabidiana Buile. Um, don't ask me how to spell it. It's really difficult. Um, somebody else can put it in the comments. But you know, he he has like this short video clip, and he talks about, and I think he's talking about or talking probably to a, a one of those audiences that I like to refer to as like the the reformed bros. Um, you know, like your basic reformed guys that that like they um, like their designer coffee, their designer cigars, their design like, and they got their designer theology. And Luke and I have talked about this. I feel sometimes I fit that mold accidentally. I stumbled upon it, but um, he said something along the lines of, um, you know, when we talk about Calvinism, that's only a, that's only useful when that term is shorthand for biblical theology and what the Bible teaches. So we don't believe in Reformed theology because we picked up Calvin's Institutes, although that can be helpful. Um, we didn't stumble upon it because, or, or we're not Reformed because we really liked John Piper. It's because we read the scriptures and this is what we're convinced of. And to me, that that should be like if someone if someone in my church and in, in my church accepts our denomination, Paul, you probably don't know much about it. No one ever does, which is fine. But it's it we accept Armenians, um, um, reformed guys. It, it's quite ambiguous in, in that sense. But if someone can come to me and say this is I'm having trouble with this doctrine, they can't. And, and they say, well, because so and so said this or so and so said that. I always try and point them to the scriptures. And I think um, one of the benefits of your work, Paul, is that um, everything, whether it's a quote from um, a historical theologian or whether it's a quote from scripture, it's straight from scripture or they're pointing people to scripture in, in a way. So now, uh, if you don't mind, Eric, we've already got uh, an interesting question in the comments from West. He's one of our great question askers. Um, Wes wants to know, Paul, your thoughts on Reformed characters versus Puritan characters. My thoughts? <laughs> yeah, I, I think he's trying to like, maybe, uh, I think he's asking a theological question more than a question about drawing them. Okay. Um, uh, I, aren't Puritans Reformed? Yes. Oh, maybe he is asking you. Wes, clarify your question. <laughs> longer we, question. Need, we need specifics, brother. <laughs> um, now, I... I is there a, actually, I want, you talked about the, um, I want to screen share this real quick because you talked about your favorite, um, uh, hold on. It's going to take me a second, but, um, you had talked about a specific one of your, um, the pancake quote, and here it is. Here's right. the, um, so I, I love it. Thank you for opening. So this is like your typical men's breakfast. Um, we have ours on one Sunday a month. You have the guy, thank you for opening up about your struggles, Brian. Charles, do you have anything to share? Not at the moment. He's got like two stacks of pancakes over there. Uh, 
So, and there's hardship in everything except eating pancakes. So I, I said something quite controversial on, on Facebook a while back, Paul. And uh, I said that waffles are infinitely better than pancakes. Hold Um, on. Agree or disagree. Pause. I I want you to ask your question, but I I want to make sure I heard you correctly. You said something controversial. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'm joking. I'm joking, of course, because really who, you know, but anyway, um, it, 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 uh, sparked a lot of conversation with folks. Uh, some of my friends on Facebook, but I think, uh, pancakes are, are all right, but waffles are infinitely better. What say you? Me? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you said you love the quote. The, the... Yeah. I love the quote. Uh, yes, yeah, so we have pancakes quite a bit and, uh, I like pancakes. I like them even more if they have chocolate chips in them. And I like them even more when they're not cooked all the way and they're gooey inside. But I wow. despise waffles. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Eric Eric was so sure that you were going to be his guy. Like he was so certain that Paul Cox was going to be an Eric Reynolds guy. It turns out he's a Luke Copeland guy. That, that's fine, man. We're all brothers in Christ. We can disagree on matters of breakfast fare. Um, although I do, I'm totally judging you in my mind right now. Yeah, that one hurt deep on the inside, Paul. You don't know it, but I know he's hurt. <laughs> There's nothing I love more in this life than being correct all the time and people agreeing with me. And um, you've, I people don't didn't hear the conversation that we had before we were on air. We were talking Star Wars, and. Uh, Luke and I, I have similar thoughts, but divergent thoughts. And Paul pretty much agreed with Luke and it broke my heart. Yeah. Yeah. So basically Paul's right about everything. And Eric's just having to come to terms with that. Hmm. Um, I wanted to, to sort of turn a bit more toward the practical again here. You'll find uh, one of the, the joys and the sorrows of this podcast is uh, we're not particularly formulaic in the way that we ask questions. We sort of bounce around a little bit. I actually want to ask you, if you don't mind, Paul, about the particular tune that you posted today uh, from Spurgeon. The quote is, you will never glory in God till, first of all, God has mm. glorying in yourself. So how recently did you uh, create that one? Was it like yesterday? I mean, when was it that you? <clears throat> that was back in uh, December, I think. Oh, was it? Am I not looking at the most recent one? Yeah, I repost them. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. The most okay. recent one was the the tribute to Ravi, which I did mm-hmm. today. Yeah. And then for that, I think the most recent one was the Octavius Winslow where the guy is digging through the, the, the box. Oh the yeah. Box. Okay. I see. It. So um, when did you, when did you create that one? The Octavius one? Uh, let's see. I did that one. This, I think I finished it this week, like a couple days ago. How, how long did it take you to make those two frames? <clears throat> oh, it took, it took a while. I did those live and uh, during, yeah. my, during my live, the live videos like uh, i'd get the sketch done actually i started it while i was interviewing uh someone like two weeks ago <laughs> and then i just didn't finish it until this week um but all together it probably takes took for that one around uh four to five hours wow complete 
Now, do you find that because it takes you that long to create these, do you find yourself retaining the the quotes really well because of the amount of time and effort that you put into these? Uh, not really, because I'm not looking at the quote the entire time. Uh, although s some of them maybe, um, but like I couldn't like, just like quote it off the top of my head right now. I could try, but <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm just sort of getting to to like your process and all that stuff. Now, Eric, Mark has proven once again that he would make a fine replacement for me on this show because he's with you on Team Waffle. Mark, Mark again is one of my favorite people on earth. So, um, thank you, Mark. I appreciate you. We need to have him on as a as a guest. Maybe he, but he doesn't have any talents like Paul does. So, um, although he's witty. Mark is witty. Now, Car Carolyn's got uh, an interesting comment for, for Paul to remark on. What is woke evangelism? I guess I'm missing the latest fad. Woke evangelicalism. Evangel sorry, evangelicalism. That was, uh, that's from a tune that I did based on it. Uh, so if you've heard of the Just Thinking podcast, uh, <clears throat> they did a live show at G3 this year. And I got to got to watch them live down there, and they were talking about woke evangelicalism, and just the fact that uh, there are congregations that think that diversity in the congregation is more important than um, is like one of the most important things. It's almost like churches looking at numbers. Oh, we need to get more numbers in. Well, we need to get this amount of this kind of person in, uh, or else we're not proving that we're diverse enough as, as if you have something on that level to prove when really we should be preaching the gospel to all people, no matter what, and whoever comes in our door, that's who we're going to preach the gospel to. Mm -hmm. Um <clears throat> And so they were speaking to that issue and I was, I guess I was moved by that and I created a tune based off of that. <clears throat> now, Eric, we've actually not really addressed this issue yet. Do you want to make any remarks about the, the woke evangelicalism, that movement? Well, I, I, you know, I've had this book from um, Eric Mason called woke church on my bookshelf for like uh, two years now. And I wish I've read it by now so I could speak a little bit more to it. Although I've liked what Eric has had to say on some other things. Um, it's a very difficult thing for us to talk about today because it's, you know, woke is, is a term that people use. It's, it's um, kind of one of those intersectionality terms that we use to say that you've been awokened or awakened to like this new reality of how the evils of the world and kind of uh, social injustices. And then on, and you have that on one extreme and then you have on another extreme um those who who all it comes across as though they reject that there's any sort of social injustice of any kind and uh it seems there's increasingly little room in the middle <laughs> um for those who might say like oh yeah there's definitely social injustices in the world um mm -hmm. but uh fixing social injustices is not the gospel the gospel is the redemptive work of christ it's him crucified and seeing um sinners saved by grace and his mercy um through faith so right. um that's the gospel now as you as you're preaching the gospel first off first and foremost we should stand for people who are 
um, persecuted, right? We should, we should stand for what is right, Mm -hmm. but, um, morality is not the gospel. (laughs) Um, Christ is. So we just have to be really careful. Um, and it's one of those things it's nuanced, right? We need a nuanced position. I think, um, the scriptures would give us a nuanced position in this realm, but unfortunately we've kind of devolved into tribalism and, and little room for nuance. Yeah. I think, I think on this issue of woke evangelicalism, I would recommend um, uh, the Alpha and Omega Ministries podcast with Dr. James White and just about anything he's done on intersectionality. Uh, again, like Eric said, we're not going to really get real deep in this. I, I would just say the best way that I can sort of explain the issue with woke evangelicalism is that it uses culture and heritage as a lens for interpreting scripture rather than scripture as a lens for interpreting culture and heritage. Mm-hmm. The fact is there are certain things about me, about um, my socioeconomic background, my skin color, my race, that are social realities that I need to come to terms with. And denying those things uh, is, is not helpful. But I interpret culture and society and privilege and all those things through the lens of scripture, I don't take my personal identity and then use it as a tool to try to interpret the scriptures. It's, it's all about scripture being the lens through which we see all things. And I think uh, we can deal with a lot of these challenging social problems if we have the order right. Scripture is the lens, not your personal identity. Right. And, and in, for the context of that cartoon, I believe the post that I posted it with uh, will point people to the two-part podcast series that that Just Thinking podcast did about that. <clears throat> cool. Yeah, that's that's maybe a topic that we'll maybe we'll discuss discuss in future podcasts, Luke, because that's a that's a good one and it's a challenging one. Um, yeah, we, after- also, if we did that podcast, it'd be a great opportunity for us to talk about Lincoln. Oh my goodness. Uh, Paul, I don't know if you're a student. Uh, I know you're a student of church history. Don't know if you are a student of American history. Um, totally not going to judge you one way or the other. However, do you think Lincoln was a good president or a bad president? I don't know enough about him to comment. That's fair. Okay. This is this. Uh, let's just say this is the first time that Paul has not given the correct answer. So, no, he's- so Luke, Luke hates Lincoln. Um, and we know that that's just about the most un-American thing, uh, to, uh, yeah. I've never claimed to hate Lincoln. That, let's keep the record straight. Uh, well, we'll, we'll move, we'll move on. We'll move on. I think Wes has clarified his question. Um, he was asking about, if you'll scroll back up in the comments a little bit, um, the period look of people in those era. So talking about like drawing their dress and maybe even, uh, the styles of facial hair, I, I, you know, just the way that they look. Uh, and differences in quotes. So let's deal with the the issue of how they look first. Like, do you do research on dress and things like that? Yes, I have done research. <laughs> like, what are those bibs that they're wearing? Are they trying to get the food or what? Um, I don't, uh, yeah, the, I, I try to do research on like, what clothing did like Luther wear? Aside from like his teacher robe and his hat, um, like what did he wear? But a lot of the information comes from the paintings that I see or the drawings that I see of him. And so one of his, one of the most famous paintings of Luther, um, he's got like this 
really cool looking jacket on. Um, and so I usually end up just drawing Luther with that big collar on his jacket. And, um, but, and then the Puritans, they all wear the same thing in all of their paintings. And um, so they were boring. What's that? Cause they were boring. Yeah, they were boring. <laughs> Lifeless robot. <laughs> uh, so, so like, sometimes I'll draw them with their like preacher garb on with that bib on them. And then other times like with John Owen, when he's like digging all those graves in that one cartoon I did, um, he has just like a regular button up shirt on. Um, and so I just kind of looked to see what regular people of that time period would wear. <clears throat> and I just improvise. There's a bit, there's a, a bit of a debate that this that uh, your remarks have sort of inspired here. So, what's your feeling on uh, robes and high church dress? <laughs> what do you think, Paul? <laughs> what do I think? Uh-huh. You want your pastor? Think, what does the Bible say? <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> I like to tell my people, I don't care what you wear as long as you wear pants. That's all I ask. <laughs> It's my way of avoiding the question. <laughs> I, 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 like to, I like to tell my people because um, I know I don't know what it's like where you're from, Paul, but but down here in the South, there's a lot of cultural expectations when it comes to dress in the church. And one of the things that I repeatedly tell my people is that the only New Testament rule for dress is modesty. That's a good thing to that's a good, good way to put it. Yeah, I don't I don't. I guess I haven't noticed like all the churches around here just have different, uh, different um, ways of going about their dress code or whatever. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I grew up, all the churches I grew up in changed like in the late nineties about their strictness on what you should wear or like people's mindsets seem to change in the nineties. Like, uh, I guess we can wear shorts to church now or just t-shirts or just come as you are that whole come as you are kind of thing just kind of sparked a a uh, new dress code in in yeah. a lot of churches I think um but <clears throat> since since changing churches like I think the majority of people in the last couple churches we've been in make it sound like we've changed churches a lot <laughs> yeah, man, that, you, guys, you guys don't like church discipline then apparently. that's right <laughs> they didn't like ref tunes you're like i gotta go but uh yeah i guess there's just a mixture of people some people like to dress up some people don't and i really don't care <laughs> eric i'll be curious to hear your thoughts i sort of consider dress outside the the rule of modesty as not worth fighting about that it's one of those like third tier issues that if you're at a church where they have certain cultural expectations, then it's fine for you to meet them. Um, but it's not something that we should be having, uh, you know, really intense arguments about to the point of division. I no. couldn't care less about what other people wear to church. What I wear to church, because I'm the preacher, I'm the pastor, um, I'm I'm more careful about. Um, I, I can't foresee myself wearing a T-shirt uh, anytime in the next, uh, you know, uh, for a long time. Uh, how I, although I know that's becoming more and more common and for pastors that they're in a community or they're in a church where that is expected of them. Like maybe that, 
whatever. Like, cool. That's, I am not passing judgment, but for me, um, my preference and what I wear is usually, you know, some sort of slacks or khakis with a pair of Oxford shoes, a button up shirt and, and a jacket. And, uh, mostly because a lot of the guys I watch and listen to that's a, in the same realm that they wear. And, uh, my church, I got people that wear t-shirts. I have leaders that wear t-shirts. I got leaders that wear jackets. Um, so I, I praise God that it's not a fight in our church. Uh, I don't know if it ever was, um, prior to my being here, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm thankful that I don't have to fight that fight. And people at least I've worn sneakers before I have back issues, uh, for when I was in the army. So sometimes I have like the Oxford shoes just aren't going to cut it. Um, and no one's ever complained. So I have some gracious people. We're a real professional podcast here, Paul. Yes, we, got, all right. I thought that I had... we got, we got callers in the background. <laughs> um, we lost so <laughs> I think he'll be back hopefully, but, um, you know, I, I was kind of thinking about this cause sometimes I like to, I, I read a lot of my devotions in the morning. I, I type them out. Um, and when I do that, it helps me reflect on things a little bit better. And, and even when I prepare sermons, which is, you know, what my calling is, um, it helps me reflect on the word of God more. And I'm just wondering in your line of work, um, as you're seeking to glorify God in, in these illustrations, have, have you had some times where like, you just felt like God really speaking to you in that moment through uh, maybe the illustration of a particular uh, scenario or a specific quote? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think the, one of the main things I think of when you, ask that is like when when i was working on the pilgrim's progress children's book just re rereading the pil the john bunyan's pilgrim's progress um just really there's some points in there that i didn't remember and it just really was very powerful um thinking about um the the biblical truths in there and it it pointed it drove me to scripture to read read about where where he was getting his ideas um and i i think that just like doing research for for doing that was it was a uh, was one of those experiences for me paul, paul and eric i ask your forgiveness for that we live in the age of cell phones and i forget that landlines do sometimes ring it's been like weeks since i touched that phone and then all right, that's all I have is a landline. Uh, Eric, what were you asking him about? I came in at just as he was answering. Jesus. <laughs> we're talking about Jesus. <laughs> uh, no, I was just asking like how, you know, I kind of shared like even as pastors, we might be preparing a sermon or just kind of in our, our, in our everyday line of, of calling and work that God speaks through that. And maybe we just come to a point like, like as, as I'm trying to write through some commentary work on the gospel of John, I got to the point of Jesus crucifixion and I spent some time studying the different ways in which they would beat prisoners. Um, you know how they talked about Jesus was being beaten and like in hearing about like the, the tools that they would use and how his flesh would be ripped off the bone and it would be exposed. Like it brought me to tears to just wrestle with that idea. So um, Paul, graciously shared a little bit about that yeah. right same similar thing happened when i was reading through the fox's book of martyrs mm -hmm. uh, doing research for the ref tunes and 
uh, just some of their stories were very powerful and drove me to kind of look into like reading the book of Acts again too. <clears throat> now, Paul, I am a little curious about, cause obviously it's great when you're able to um, use your, your gift for drawing and illustration in ways that um, directly honor and glorify God. But I, I imagine because you do this for a living that sometimes you take jobs in the secular world what was sort of the the most interesting job you ever had to take where you weren't doing um, something that was directly related to the ministry of the church? Um, obviously, all vocation is in one way or another ministry because we're representing Christ. But do, did you ever have to take any really interesting jobs, or, or for the most part, do you do you have the opportunity to do work that is religious in nature? Um, I don't know. I guess the majority of the jobs that I do outside of RevTunes is, um, well, I, I still do comics for, for companies, but like I'll be doing comics that are just explaining their products or explaining services that they offer uh, or doing character designs for mascots for businesses. So you never had to do like a, a a panel of Batman beating Joker to a bloody pulp or anything like that? No, but I, I've drawn stuff, person like personal projects for that, that have to do with like characters fighting and stuff. I don't know. I guess I, I did do, um, this was way back in 2007. I started penciling a comic called Stitched Crosses. There was a lot of battle scenes and stuff and that was, that was pretty fun. Luke's a pacifist, so <laughs> um, I'm not. And, and, yeah, Luke's a pacifist, not for theological reasons. He just lacks a backbone. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Paul, I have, I have, I have a very important question. Um, who would be more fun to draw, Luke or myself? Hmm. Oh, I didn't think that would be hard. Eric looks way goofier. I would say Eric. Well, uh, I don't know what to say about that. Eric would um, be a lot easier to draw. No, you just have you you have more distinctive features. You've got the glasses and the beard, and I just kind of look like standard European white kid. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Okay, well, that backfired. Um, uh, so <laughs> uh, I'm trying to read the question from Glenn. Um, I'll read it. Okay. What are your thoughts on political satire with tunes? Do any of your tunes take a political spin? I'll admit I'm a ref tunes rookie, so I've only seen a few of your tunes. So he's asking, um, do you do political cartoons? Uh, no, I try to stay away from politics, but um, I've had ideas for political tunes, but... <laughs> haven't drawn them <laughs> or at least you haven't shared them i probably the most political of the tunes is the the one that was mentioned earlier about the wokey evangelicalism wokey yeah 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 that can be challenging because um you know in even in um you know you kind of think if you if someone says that they're reformed or you're in a reformed camp that can also mean a whole lot of things uh politically and and people right. people get really upset um 
you know, depending on what camp they might find themselves in if you're in a different camp. So right. even even within the reform camp, there's a lot of tribalism, unfortunately. Yeah, for the most part, I try to keep the tunes uh, a little bit, bit more uh, encouraging and, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, thought-provoking. Well, I, I appreciate that, Paul, because I feel like I it's really easy for me to point people towards um, your social media or to, to roughtunes.com because um, I see what you're coming out with, and I just – I just trust it because I see what's coming out and, and it's just, I haven't seen anything that made me go, Ooh, I don't know about that. I mean, it's just be the artistry is beautiful. The quotes are, are, um, are encouraging. Some of them are incredibly challenging as well. You know, like the Spurgeon quote that was shared um, recently that, that Luke alluded to where Spurgeon saying that you have to, you know, you must, be, if you're going to behold God, you have to essentially humble yourself, stop beholding, your, you know, glorying in yourself and, <clears throat> Um, that's important for all of us to to really hear. Um, Paul, I, I, I'd like you to share a little bit with those who are watching who'd be interested in like how can how can they support Rough Tunes? How can they support your project? I personally I purchased um, this was about a, uh, maybe eight or nine months ago a um, a John Calvin um, portrait that you did that has on the top it says the pastor ought to have two voices, one for gathering the sheep. And it has a uh, little Calvin with a smile on his face. And he's petting, petting the sheep. And, and then at the bottom, he's warding them off with his shepherd staff. And it says, and another for driving away wolves. And he's, and he's standing between the wolf and his sheep. And it, to me, it just reminds me every day when I walk into my office, the importance of the, having those two voices. Right. Um, so what are some other ways that people can purchase, you know, what kind of products you have on your website? and whatnot uh yeah we i have um prints available uh of like most of the tunes um and if like i get i get people asking like i don't see this one in your shop can you put that in there and uh, i can usually get that in there um but we have prints we have some t-shirts i have some some specific designs that i did just for t-shirts um like augustine riding on his hippo <laughs> and, uh, and some of that that's one of my favorites by the way like <laughs> i love the ones that are ironic you know like it just point it's just poetic i, I love it yeah augustine of hippo yeah. um but we we also have the um the ref tunes collection one which there was a pre-order for it a while ago with some discounted pricing now it's at the regular price um but I'm still waiting on those books to come in from the the printer because of all of the delays because of COVID. My kids are running up the stairs over there. <laughs> I was wondering, are we about to meet some family members of yours? <laughs> it wouldn't be the first time that a guest had a child run into the frame in the middle of. <laughs> um, but then I also we also have the the Pilgrim Pilgrim's Progress, a poetic journey, which is a children's book version of John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress, where my wife and I rewrote the story as a rhyming poem. Wow. And it's published through H&E Publishers. Um, you can get to there by going to hesedandemmet.com. Um, and I also have some of those available on the Reftunes store as well. And you can get there through reftunes.com. <clears throat> what was it like to rewrite a classic like The Pilgrim's Progress? Was that daunting? Oh, it was really hard. Uh, especially because we had to condense it down so much and 
I had to choose to leave out a bunch of stuff. Oh goodness, yeah, that's <clears> hard. That's <throat> mm-hmm. um, that you you did that with your wife. So is she a writer? Uh, she's very good at writing. She wouldn't call herself a writer, but uh, she's she's good at coming up with um, things. A lot of times, she'll write my my Reftoons Facebook posts. Oh, I need to. Okay. <laughs> um, now, I, something that's very important to me, and I joked about it before we came on air. You had a T-shirt that was recently available. It said "Theology Wars" on it, and it was like uh, it was a Star Wars kind of idea, but it had different um, pastors and theologians throughout all time kind of on there. Um, but it's no longer available on your website. But you did just say that if we have special requests, that you might be able to work something out. <laughs> so. Um, so uh, what can we work out here? Hold on, I'm experiencing tef- technical difficulty. Getting <laughs> oh, no. so, uh, that one. It'll, it'll probably come back out again next year for Star Wars Day. So, <clears throat> so I have to wait a year. Yeah, because <laughs> I, I may come out with some uh, some other things along with it as well. The early bird gets the worm. So, so Paul's now had a chance to um, uh, sort of promote his uh, stuff. Eric, why don't you show off that amazing shirt that your wife made? Oh yeah! So we got some uh, we got some Bible banter merch. Uh, so I'm wearing this T-shirt that the lovely Robin Reynolds uh, created over the weekend, and um, we have some exciting news coming this Thursday that we will share with you, which you will need to uh, not you, Paul. I mean, Paul, you're more than welcome to tune in, but we're referring to the audience. Um, <laughs> So you guys can can come back on Thursday and kind of uh, share in that. Also, outside of that, we're doing a giveaway. This is our first giveaway uh, ever. So right here, uh, for those of you who don't know, I'm a Bible aficionado and a Bible snob. I love um, just well-crafted Bibles. Um, I have a couple of my own. And um, here's one that I picked up a few years ago. It's um, it's actually the 400th anniversary edition. In commemoration of the 400th anniversary of the King James um, translation, but this is the ESV, so this is the Eric Standard Version, um, the uh, or as the layman calls it, the English Standard Version. Um, but those of us in the know really call it the Eric Standard Version. But it's got some beautiful artwork on the inside pages. Has some gilded, um, yellow gilded pages or gold gilded pages. Beautiful maps. Um, it's from Crossway. So um, you need to come and check out on Thursday the way that we are going to give this away. And um, it'll be free of charge to you. I will put it in the mail as soon as we uh, do a drawing. You just have to come back on Thursday to hear how we're going to do that. Um, So, uh, and hey, we really would like for you guys to share for people who are are listening and watching. If you could share the page, share um, uh, these videos. Really the most important thing is we want to, uh, show people how to communicate as brothers in Christ, because we know that that's something that's lacking in um, the Christian community and really around the world. Um, that's something that, you know, when Jesus says that um, the world will know that you're my disciples by the way that you love one another, that doesn't mean that we can't have fun and give each other a hard time, but it does mean that we show great uh, grace towards one another and, and, and um, speak in a loving manner. So um, that's one of the reasons we're doing this. And, um, yeah, Eric, Eric just took the longest way possible to just say this. Smack that like button. Fuck that share button. Why can't you do it like the YouTubers, man? 
uh i'm not an expert you know i'm <laughs> i'm a pastor i'm not a self-promoter so i don't you know i don't um now but, paul uh, paul we want to be respectful of your time do we need to get you out of here by three <laughs> no I, you're good okay <laughs> you said um, three and i'm looking at my clock i'm like that's like another hour oh uh oh yeah because you're in uh you're in canada right wisconsin uh, it's close enough <laughs> you know uh pretty much in a whole nother country might as well be another hemisphere central coast spoken by a man born in the northeast which cannot possibly be called a part of the united states you're your own weird thing you were born in new england i i don't deny it i also don't claim that we're part of the union the way that everyone else is that's a that's something for another uh podcast um hey paul we we wanted to have you um so the audience know this and we talked about it before coming on but instead of actually um doing the blessed hope catechism we are going to um show for our audience one of your illustrations uh, based on keech's catechism which i believe is a reformed baptist catechism am i right on that i believe so yeah yeah, and you can, uh, again, go to Reftoons on Facebook and on Twitter, and um, he and his wife just share some incredible artwork on there, um, you know, and, and you can find this piece on there as well. Um, there we go. All right. So here is uh, – it's shared, right? Just want to double yep. check. Okay, good. So um, – so yeah, would you mind, Paul, just sharing, um, one, if you could share the catechism, just read the, the question and answer, but also kind of show for us how you illustrated this as well. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so just read the question and answer. And, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Wherein did Christ's humiliation consist? Christ's humiliation consisted in his being born and that in a low condition made under the law undergoing the miseries of this life, the wrath of God, and the cursed death of the, of the cross in being buried and continuing under the power of death for a time. Mm. That is a mouthful. Um, do you want me just to go through how I... Yeah, so, so um, how, did you, how did you come about in creating this particular um, illustration for this question and answer? Okay, yeah. So a lot of these are like super hard to come up with illustrations for. And I'm still stumped on, on a lot of them. That's why it's taken me so long to get to <laughs> um, So basically what I do is I look at the question, wherein did Christ's humiliation consist? I think about like what what is Christ's humiliation? So it tells me in the answer, of course. Um, and I think of like what imagery could best represent each part. So I break the answer. For this one particularly, I broke the answer up into like four different, <clears throat> four different uh, chunks. So the first part, uh, he was born in a low condition, which would be the manger. He was born in a manger, uh, made under the law, undergoing the miseries of this life. So that would be under the, the, the law, the Ten Commandments. So he obeyed the commandments perfectly. Check. <laughs> um, so that's what the check mark is there. Uh, 
And let's see, the wrath of God and the cursed death of the cross in being buried and continuing under the power of death for a time. So he endured the cross at the place of the skull and uh, was buried. And then the next one after this goes through, I think, four more things mm -hmm. um, where he, it starts out with the, the tomb, but the tomb is open and it's, it talks about his ascension. You know what? The, these images are great. Um, I love the way that the skull looks, just like visually. I, that's great. But you know what this uh, progression reminds me of? And I don't know, Paul, if you'll take this as a compliment or an insult. But do you remember, I, I are you familiar at all with the old 90s praise chorus, Lord, I lift your name on high? Yes. This would make an amazing uh, illustration for the chorus. Mm -hmm. You came from here. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. With all the actions. Yes. <laughs> So I actually have a funny, uh, funny story about that. That uh, what'd you call it? A praise chorus? What? That's the term I use it. So, um, you know, I, I was, uh, I came to Christ when I was in basic training in the army. So I was back in 06. And um, I remember when I first started attending church services and I heard that song and I thought this is the most God awful thing I've ever heard. Um, and, and I hope anyone who likes it is offended. Um, <laughs> hashtag not Ravi Zacharias right now. But um, see, Paul, yeah. this is why I'm not worried about guests like you blowing our show up because Eric will make sure to alienate any of the new viewers who show up. <laughs> <laughs> so I hope I hope that's not offensive to you, Paul. But if so, um, no, no, yeah. not at all. I remember seeing that song in youth group way back in the day. Mm -hmm. and uh <laughs> i i remember just like goofing off because everyone was doing the motions so i would get into those motions you know digging that grave you know <laughs> i didn't even know there were motions there's like all <laughs> kinds of crazy motions that go along with it so See, make sure these are the things you missed by not being in youth group as a teen eric you missed motions during praise songs Right. <laughs> uh, well, I was a youth pastor for a couple of years. Uh, we didn't do any motions, so uh, I guess I was a terrible youth pastor. Uh, <laughs> uh, but you know, actually, I, and I, when I was thinking about um, having you on, Paul, one of the things that to me is so important about your ministry, and I just want to encourage you in this, brother, that there's so much Christian garbage in art out there right now. Just um, whether it's in music, movies, or television, um, that things put the name of Christ on it. And they, they use it as a sales pitch and then they put no effort into anything. Um, and I, I, and I do mean that with all sincerity. I think it's a sin. Like, I think it's a sin to just say, oh, we'll put Jesus's name on it. And then we just won't do a very good job at like finding decent actors or crafting decent dialogue or writing a well-crafted song or whatever it might be. And brother, you've done a tremendous job at not only bring out the truth of, of, of the scriptures and highlighting key important figures throughout church history, but you do it at such a high quality and high level that shows that you're glorifying the Lord in every aspect of your ministry. So I appreciate that. Um, yeah. Cause I, I wouldn't ask someone who had, who had garbage, who was doing garbage work um, to come on the podcast, except for I, Luke, we have him every week. So um. <laughs> I, I appreciate too, Paul, how you've redeemed your vocation. Because it's so easy to make the mistake of thinking, okay, well, like the pastor or the Sunday school teacher or the people who do what we consider, quote unquote, ministry, those are the holy vocations. And then there's all the other people who do normal work. 
when in fact scripture teaches that we ought to do all things um, to the glory of God. So you've taken something uh, sort of as what some people might consider secular or banal or uh, uh, every day as drawing cartoons and chosen to uh, direct that gift and that passion in ways that please and honor Christ and edify his church. Thank you. Yeah, it's. I think cartoons are like, for me anyways, cartoons are like a really good way of communicating a message and what better message to communicate than the gospel. So what's your favorite comic book? It's my favorite comic book. Uh, my favorite comic strips growing up were Calvin and Hobbes. Um, probably you've, done it, you've done a, an illustration of Calvin and Hobbes at, at one point, right? Like, yeah, do I remember that correctly? I did a, a, a homage, I think is that uh, the word, <laughs> <laughs> to, uh, to Bill Watterson, Watterson and Calvin and Hobbes, I, except I used the John Calvin and Hobbes. <laughs> yeah actually i think it's actually in the comic book that you have the pdf comic book it's in the in the coloring book yep yep because i actually did yep. that one when i was sitting around and i and i said i was shared this story so um so paul i mean such a, so gracious in in you can go on his shopify you can go you can go and find this uh comic book uh or not comic book coloring book that's in a PDF format. You can download it and then print as many copies. He includes the copy, you know, says, Hey, just use this either internally or with your church. Just don't sell it kind of deal. Mm -hmm. And which is very gracious of you. Um, it really is. And what we did is I, is I downloaded it, um, sent it out to families in our church. Um, and we did it at home. And the first time we did it, my daughter, so I'm doing the Calvin Hobbes one because I mean, everybody in my house knows like I'm a Calvin fanboy. I, lo I love, uh, JC. And um, uh, that's John Calvin <laughs> and Jesus Christ. It's a double entendre. So, um, so yeah, she's she's doing the one that you have of of Jan Hus or John Hus, as some people will refer to him as. And um, so she's she's coloring it, and he's sitting on a goose. And his last name, in uh, whatever language, uh, Czech. Czech, yeah. He um, it means goose. So his last name is Goose. And uh, people made fun of him, and he said, "Well, I, you are killing the goose, but in a hundred years, a swan will arise, bringing in a new reformation." And that swan was um, Martin Luther, of course. But my daughter insisted that it was a duck. Now she's all, she just turned ten; she should know the difference between a goose and a duck. Um, either that, or you're just not very good at drawing gooses. I don't know, or geese. Uh, but you're actually—I think—you're good at drawing geese. She doesn't, apparently. Or she's, you know, she just doesn't really see things very well. Uh, might need oh, to get a glasses. Can I just point something out? As 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 uh, Eric is raking his own ten-year-old daughter over the coals. Comment number three today was, "Hey, it's Adeline, Mr. Paul. I love your cartoons." Yeah, she does. <laughs> um, so, oh, she's watching her now, and she's saying it's a duck. Um, so, so, but it's funny because she would insist that it was a duck, and I told her the story. And, and, and your coloring book provided for our family that opportunity to have this discussion about church history. And I got to share with them about how uh, Jan Hus was burned alive at the stake. Uh, why? Because he stood on the gospel and was passionate about seeing people have the scriptures in their hands. Mm -hmm. And um, that was incredibly important to him. And 
through him all the way till now, we've had men and women who have stood on the word of God and have been passionate about it. And you, brother, have have helped bring that to light to to many people, at least in the Reynolds household. And although my daughter cannot tell the difference between a duck and a goose, when I told her this morning um, that you were coming on the podcast, she insisted that she wanted to um, say hi to the man who drew the uh, drew the goose. And I said, see the goose. And she said, oh, no, it's a duck. <laughs> so I finally pounded it into her head that um, it's, a, it's a goose, although she won't admit it. It now, is a goose. Now, Eric, I think Paul may also have just inspired our next game of which Calvin? Which Calvin? Oh, Calvin from Calvin and Hobbes or mm-hmm. John Calvin. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, Paul, well, Paul, our last week, was it Tuesday? Um, Luke challenged me with, was it John Calvin or Calvin Coolidge, mm-hmm. which I won. And then I challenged him with which Luther. It was either Martin Luther or Martin Luther King Jr. So, and we, and he won as well. So, yeah. What, what can I say? Eric and I, uh, we're both geniuses. Can't, can't stump each other. It's tough. It's tough being in the presence of such brilliant men. But you've handled yourself quite well today. I think you've done wrong. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, Paul, before before we let you go, you have any um, any parting shots, any last things that you'd like to share, especially how people can um, – maybe something that you really love for them to purchase in your store? Um. I don't know. Maybe the uh, the Ref Tunes Collection One is is kind of what we're we're pushing right now. Um, I'll be getting those hopefully soon, uh, and once we get those, we'll be able to ship them out and stuff. And I'll I'll post pictures of of them because I got them I got them with a uh, a nice embossed cover, which I'm excited about. Nice. So and it's it's it collects the very first Ref Tune all all the way through 2019. Um, Sorry, Paul, I'm not. I'm not laughing at you. Uh, apparently, Eric's wife kicked him out of the kitchen. Because <laughs> that's where we were podcasting from. Eh, funny, funny, okay. funny. Um, Eric, I, see, see, this is this is why Eric. I don't have to tease you as much because I have the whole comment section on my side. It's great. I don't have to say anything. I just let them. So, uh, something very important. We want to let everyone know that if you do go and purchase that at what is it, Shopify. Uh, reftunes.shop or sorry reftunes.myshopify.com uh, or just go to reftunes.com and click the store button so yeah uh, use the promo code bible banter and it'll cost you the exact same price as before uh, so it really won't do anything um, <laughs> except maybe confuse Paul I don't you know. <laughs> um, just kidding but um, yeah, hey man, thank you for coming on the show. I'll direct um, any comments your way. <laughs> <laughs> Please, yeah. um, dude, it was it was just so it was great to have you on the show. Uh, we look forward to continuing to watch your work and keep an open line of communication. We'd love to have you back at some point, especially if you you know, especially create something really controversial. That'd be fun. Talk about. Um, <laughs> as soon as you start making political comics, we'll bring you back on. <laughs> okay (laughs) so uh thank you thank you brother and um yeah thanks everybody for watching reminder come uh come tune in at two o'clock on thursday to find out how you can win that that beautiful esv bible uh it's it's great if you like um 
if you like uh, what do you call it, premium bibles or if you like the eric standard version translation so thank, thank you for your time today paul god bless you in your ministry yeah, thanks for having me all right take care brother